Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we worked and the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates to debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, scams, and multi-level marketing. Hey, Hunbots and Hun Bros. I hope you had a great Memorial weekend. We did a bunch of fun stuff. We went down to the beach and had a bonfire and roasted hot dogs and s'mores. And I went and saw The Little Mermaid. It was fantastic. I highly encourage you to go, especially if you are a Lynn manuel Miranda fan. It was so good. The school year is wrapping up. Abby is about to graduate from fifth grade. I am super excited uh, that happens next week. So this whole week has been just like prep and all of their fun presentations. Today they had a multicultural dance. It was so cool. Abby is in a bilingual program and this is her seventh year of being like in immersive Spanish. She is almost completely fluent, I would say, by this point. It's a really cool program. And her middle school also has an immersion program, so she will be continuing that. That was a really big thing for her when we were looking for a new school um, because we had moved. So I'm really, really excited. I'm just really so proud of Abby and so excited for her to finish up her elementary school career. Being her mom is just like the coolest thing I've ever done. Like the hardest, the most nerve wracking, the most stressful and the best slash worst decision I've ever made in my entire life. I always joke that, but she, I would never change anything for a second. She is really, really, really cool. (laughs) I think a lot of you that listen, um, and our Abby fans agree with me. So I, uh, coming into this, um, this episode specifically is a really, really hard one. And it's, it was really hard for me, one, to record. When we recorded this episode, uh, Kayla, I had to give her content warnings, and she also let me know that it was a difficult one to edit. And then when I did my final edits, um, I went ahead and I, I had a breakdown again. It is a really very difficult episode. And one of the um, themes this year is the exploitation of children from Huns using their kids to sell nutrition shakes and loaded teas to the worst of the worst possible thing that could happen within high demand groups, religious indoctrination, um, and things like that. So this episode deals with one of those branches. Um, and, and we talk about abuse, physical abuse, child abuse, uh, and child neglect, to the point of, um, of death. And so I want to let you know right now that this is a very difficult episode. I cried when I was editing it again, I had to take a break. It was a difficult episode, but it is a really powerful and impactful episode because it goes along with what we're going to be talking about. And it also goes along actually really well with the documentary that's coming out this week. So depending on when you listen to this episode, it's most likely already out shiny happy people and I will drop a link to watch that in the show notes if you want to Uh, and that documentary is about the Duggar family and the IBLP which is the Institute in Basic Life Principles Uh, and it's like a super duper duper culty religious seminar 
um, that also had a homeschooling program. It's just, you have to watch the documentary. It goes into this sort of thing where we're seeing people who are doing bad things like their abuse is being hidden or it is being excused because of doctrine and things like that. And the more people that stand up and tell their stories, um, the more that we can hopefully create awareness and, and make some sort of change. That's what's going on in this episode. Um, if that is a triggering topic, it, it's very triggering. So there might be a lot of you that just decide to skip it this week, but, um, I, I will say that it is a very good episode. If you want to Google the name of the cults and the whole everything that happens real quick before, it is called the No Name Fellowship, or you can find the links to the stories in the show notes as well if you have anxiety like I do sometimes and want to just sort of read about it before listening to somebody's firsthand account going through it. Other than that, I hope that you enjoy this episode and have a wonderful week and I will see you next week. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. Today we have a really kind of a different thing, but also the same. Everything sort of connects and interchanges and intersects in this, I don't know, area, field, niche. I'm not sure what to call it, but we're going to be talking today about something a little different and I'm very excited. I'm going to welcome my guest, Stacey Suddeth. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Um, so let's just kind of dive into this. Can you introduce yourself and uh, and why you're here to talk to us today? Well, um, so I'm Stacy Suddeth. <laughs> I'm a mom and I have two kids. And it's just been a process over the last few years of kind of, you know, dealing and working through my childhood and all the things I went through and kind of unpacking unpacking that. Yeah. So you actually reached out months ago when I was doing the cult month and I was asking for cult stories and I used part of your email, I believe in an episode talking about different cult stories and you were part of the no name fellowship. Correct. Which I had never heard of until you sent me that email and I Googled it and I was like, oh my gosh. So yeah, um, really very interesting. It might've actually, I'm not sure if it ended, if that excerpt of your email ended up on my episode or the episode that I did with Danielle, because we did them together and we read them. So I'm not sure. It might have been on mine. I'm not really sure. But um, it was enough that I was really compelled and I wanted to talk to you about it because you went through this when you were a child. Mm-hmm. I mean, a very yes. young child, not like a yes. teenager, like pre-teen no. child. Mm-hmm. And I had older brothers that were teenagers during it. So they kind of had different outcomes from it as well. But yeah, I... Uh, my parents joined it when I was about five years old and it ended when I was 12. So for everybody listening, who's like running to Google right now, what is the no name <laughs> fellowship? Like, can you give us a reader's digest version yeah. of it? Yeah. So basically different locations. There was one in Spokane, Washington, which is the one I was a part of. There is one in Texas, one in New Jersey and one in Illinois. And it's a little fuzzy because my parents don't like to talk about anything. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of, they just avoidance, I would say. And so how they all kind of got interconnected is a little bit fuzzy, but in my parents' situation, they were a part of a uh, pretty charismatic church. 
in Spokane and um, the church went through a church split due to the pastor having an affair. And so my parents went with the side that obviously didn't agree with the affair. It, it really started out innocently, just home meetings, you know, just very, it was just very subtle, very, I don't know, it was kind of a little community, but basically the leader that uh, took over in Spokane was actually from Illinois and he had started a ministry out in Illinois and his name was Doug Kleber. He, I think he ran uh, like a student Christian athlete community out there and he actually played for the Chicago Bears (laughs) back in the day. He was kind of like a side backup person, but yeah. So he was a very intense man, big and just very kind of threatening. So anyway, just it started out from that and then it just kind of went off the rails from there. So Yeah. So it's a Christian denominational (laughs) fellowship. Yes. Non-denominational. And it was dubbed the no name fellowship because we refused to be called anything. And so when everything hit the fan later on, uh, the newspapers actually dubbed it the no name fellowship. Oh, wow. So what, what did you guys call it when you were active in it? We just called it the fellowship and like, (laughs) that's what we still reference it today. The fellowship. The fellowship. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what were the first few years of the fellowship before we get into like the really wild stuff that we're going to talk about? What were the first few years of that? Like when you were like five, six, seven years old, you know, it started out again, I was young, so I didn't really have a different frame of reference. But it was very community feel. You know, we would have church on Sundays and then afterwards we'd have potlucks. Whoever you went to church with was kind of like your community. And it just, it felt comfortable and kind of family since we didn't really have family outside of my immediate family. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a regular church. Was it just like you lived in a regular town, went to school at a regular school and just yes. went to the fellowship on Sundays and Wednesdays or whatever, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was Sundays and Wednesday evenings. Uh-huh. That's correct. Yeah. So yeah. when did things start getting kind of strange? Like at what point, like what age were you when you started questioning things or did you ever question things? Honestly, I didn't really question anything again, because it was so indoctrinated and it happened so slowly over time that there was never really big red flags for me. But again, I was younger. I know my mom, who also has mental illness, um, she she actually did raise some red flags during the time. But I would say probably, so I was in about kindergarten, around second grade is when it started going kind of crazy. So probably around eight ish, eight to nine ish. Yeah. So really just a few years into this. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about that. And a little bit of a content warning here, although there was a content warning in the show notes, but we're going to be talking about different types of abusive things with children. So I just want to let you guys know that this is the moment if you need to skip to skip. So um, let's talk about this stuff. What were some of the things that were happening that made you start wondering like what was going on and and questioning the actions of the church? Well, so right around that time, um, I distinctly remember because they were very end times focused. So like end of the world's happening. You have to be prepared to leave. 
don't know where we would go, but, but that was kind of the theme. Like the rapture. Yes, basically the rapture. And we didn't stockpile food or anything like that. That wasn't one of our things, but their big thing was no debt. And so we had to sell our house and move to rentals so that you could pick up and leave if you had to really quickly. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) So that was one thing. Let's see what some other stuff. They really got focused on healthy eating. You could not have sugar. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little bit bizarre. And I remember this one time I went with a neighbor to 7-Eleven and she bought me some candy and I came home and I just remember being so scared because I knew I was not allowed to have candy that I hid it in my room and was so scared I was going to get in trouble or spanked because I had candy in my room. Wow. That is just the the fear of sugar, like the fear of sugar, of candy, Mm -hmm. of coming home with like a jolly rancher and being like, (laughs) oh my God, I'm going to get in so much trouble for even having this. But right around that time, I just had fear was basically the feeling I remember of my childhood was just fear from that point on. Was the no sugar rule just sort of like, these are the rules and you have to obey what we say because we control your every move kind of thing? Basically. Yeah. The two head guys were really into fitness and then enforced that on the church. And we all had to have gym memberships and, and then they would come, they would do surprise visits at your house and kind of see what your food was, what you well, had in your pantry. Well, here's the weird thing though, cause you're my age and like, this would have been like mid eighties, right? So yes. Like gym memberships weren't nearly as commonplace and quote unquote normal as it is now. There's not like a a hundred different kinds of gyms you can join and everybody has a gym membership. Like I don't like having a gym membership in the eighties, like that's, that's commitment there. It wasn't as, it wasn't the same as it is now. Yeah, that's true. And they, or if you couldn't join a gym, then I, in one of our houses, we had like a workout area that we had to work out. It's well, so I mean, not necessarily the kids, but my parents. Yeah. That like working out as part of being a part of this group. Yes. Yes. Wow. And like, I, I understand like eating healthy. And then again, if mm-hmm. this is for the rapture, there really is no reason to store food. Yes, that's because you're leaving. You're they're yes. the ones that are not being left behind. It's the people that are being left behind that are going to need to store the food, not the people Correct. that are going to be ascending to heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Wow. So what would happen if you got caught like eating sugar or like not going to the gym or something like that? Well, I mean, again, the gym was more for parents. I don't really know if there was really consequences. I don't really recall that. But for us kids, we definitely got spanked. If we were out of line, we had a big old paddle wood board in our kitchen that hung by our dining room table that uh, if we were out of line, the wood would come out. Yeah. I remember the threat of the belt or the Mm -hmm. threat of the wooden spoon. Mm -hmm. But to have a dedicated paddle is another level of psychological torture and abuse that I just, I can't. Just the threat and thought of knowing there was a wooden spoon somewhere in the house was enough for me. And you have to look at this dedicated weapon hanging on your wall every single day mm-hmm. and they upped the ante we had that one originally and then they put holes in it 
a new one drilled holes in it so it would go faster through the right air to the wind resistance yes yeah like a hazing paddle in a brat movie like on children yes in a in members of a, a christian non-denominational christian church mm-hmm. oh my god i just I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand it. I mean, I get, I understand the cult, but it's just like, where do you draw the line on abuse like that? Yeah. Like children, like we're supposed to protect children. Like children don't know any better. That's our Mm -hmm. job. They don't, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, Scientology, like children are born a billion years old or whatever. Like they should know, like, it's ridiculous. These sort of culty things where we're putting adult responsibilities on minors who don't know anything Mm -hmm. they don't know anything other than i'm bad i'm bad i'm not good enough i'm bad i have to hide these things because if someone is ever going to see them i'll Mm -hmm. get punished for them Mm -hmm. so what were some of the things that that you guys would do to like avoid getting spanked or or was it unavoidable i mean we my brothers and i were i had i have three brothers and we were pretty uh we we stayed in line pretty well I would say to avoid that. So in turn, you know, our, our voices were kind of squelched, <laughs> but we would just have to, I mean, I'm trying to give you an example, like church on Sundays, it got to the point that we would have to sit in church from, I think service started maybe like eight in the morning would go till like two, three in the afternoon, straight, no lunch, no snacks, us kids had to sit there in metal chairs, you know, like folded metal chairs and be absolutely silent while the preacher taught. Cause otherwise we would get pulled back in the back and spanked if we were not compliant at church. Um, at church yeah. Pulled into the back room and spanked at church. Yeah. By your parents or by clergy yeah, members? Well, it it would be by your parents to add a whole nother level of craziness. Uh, they would do adult spankings in church. What? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not church kink shaming. I'm just kink church asking yeah. why. That's all. It was. Why are they it was- spanking adults? Who be if they were disobedient or out of line? They would spank them into submission. With the same paddle with holes drilled in it? Are, are these public I mean, spankings? Yes, there was some public spankings in church. There would be some private ones. I mean, it sounds kinky, but it was it was seriously spanking. It wasn't like a sexual thing. It was spanking. My cool. mom even got spanked. Like who, <laughs> it was, what, who it was runs this church? Like sadomasochists? No offense to say to masochists out there at all, but what yeah. is happening here? Yeah, I don't know. It was bizarre. And it was usually the elders would spank members of the church to get them back in line. That's sadistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the elders of the church are spanking adults to keep them yeah. in line. Yes. <laughs> and the adults are like, well, yes, I deserved it. I did. <laughs> Yeah, like there was one in one service, a guy remember, you know, there was some condemnation, (laughs) you know, message and a a guy wanted to be spanked because he felt so convicted and they did it in the church, right? In service. 
Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet. And they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. Head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the Flow Knit High Rise Boyfriend Jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. Not to mention using recycled claim standard approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton modal scoop neck tee and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. feel about that i like i did i want to see you see like at what point are you asking to be publicly spanked and reprimanded in front of your church and everybody in the congregation it just again it was just the subtle thing he had been a member for a while and that was the thing it started out quote-unquote normal and it was just things developed over you know a couple years time and that became the norm don't ask me how but that's (laughs) so you said your mom got spanked yeah yeah who spanked her and why I believe 
it was like two or three different people. My dad was one. My dad was also an elder in the church. So that was a whole nother level. And then I think one or two other elders spanked her. Wow. And then she got kicked out of the church for six months at one at one point because she felt, you know, she had red flags about the church. So what the original good for her, but what, what were the, like the original spanking? Like, what did she do to even get that speaking out or having questions? Yeah, it was or? because it was speaking out that she had questions of something, you know, is not right wow. with the church. And yeah. And so then she got spanked and then also got kicked out. So she gets a, a public spanking in front of everybody for asking questions, which then this does- one was uh, actually, th- I think at a home. They would do oh, home spankings home. too. There's a whole nother yeah. level. We've got home <laughs> spankings too. Level. <laughs> we'll bring them to you. Just tell us your address yes. and we'll be right over. Yes. Like, so they come over. Your mm-hmm. father is an elder. So he engages in the act as well. Yes. As her punishment for asking too many questions. Mm-hmm. And then she's removed from the church. Was there any sort of like, hey, just so you know, this person's not going to be here for a while. She got spanked because she was bad or she just disappeared and no one asked questions. No, um, I don't believe anybody asked questions and we would continue. My dad and would take my siblings and I to church and she would have to stay home. And mom just stayed home for six months. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And no one obviously would ask questions because then they would be next. Yes, correct. That's how they kept it in line. Wow. So what are some other like coldy things? You said that there was no celebration allowed and no holiday. Yes. Yes. So we were not allowed to celebrate any holiday, including our birthday or Christmas, which is really bizarre since it's, you know, bizarre, but uh, yeah. So they basically said, you know, any celebration was an idol or like celebrating your birthday was elevating yourself school we would have to sit outside in the hallway while classroom parties were going on we weren't allowed to partake oh wow yeah that is so unnecessary yes I mean I that's the horrible thing it's like the actions that and the consequences of our actions as adults that affect our children that our children had no consent in the decision at all And it's not the same as being like, hey, I have an allergy. So here's like a a different thing. Or I brought something because that happens at our school. Like there's certain kids that have food restrictions. And so either what is brought is in compliance or something additional is brought instead. But like to single out these children, because it probably would have been fine to just sit in the corner and just be like, oh, no, thank you. We're just going to sit here together. But Mm -hmm. to remove you from the classroom and to make an example of it. And all the other kids are like, why do they have to leave every time? Now all the kids are talking about it. Now you're feeling insecure because kids are whispering about you because they don't understand. And this is none of this is anything you asked for, consented to, or uh, like agreed upon. This is all the consequences of your parents' Mm -hmm. judgment and actions. and, And when they thought like, this is the best thing for us. And again, it's the boiling of the frog. It doesn't happen. You weren't like, well, well we're going to leave this because you had an affair and we're going to join a cult. Like you guys left and said, well, we just want to be more pious or we just want to be more moral or, or ethical or whatever to go down this route of this is what we think is better. And slowly day by day, drop by drop, incremental increase in temperature in that boiling water you're boiled alive. You don't even realize it. And all of a sudden you're stuck and you're like, how did I get in this hole? And there's no way out. 
except for imploding your entire life to get out, which we all uh, have heard stories of or experienced ourselves. It's just, it's so unfair to children. Yes, completely. Yeah. What were, I mean, I hate to continue, like even yeah. having you think about this stuff, but what yeah. were some of the other things that happened to you as a child that were consequences of your parents' decisions in this church, besides the spankings and the excommunication from the classroom? Like I mentioned before, there was just like this overall fear ingrained in us. And one of the things that they would always, you know, tell us is that we were the one true church if you ever left, you were going to hell. It was just so much isolation that I don't know if I'm answering your question, but it was just, I don't know how to explain it. (laughs) Um, I understand it's isolating Yeah, because you don't understand. You don't understand adult decisions. You don't understand adult motivation. You just know that mom and dad said this was better Mm -hmm. and it should be better, even though it's kind of not better, but mom and dad said it is. So it must Mm -hmm. be. Yeah. It's like this blind faith you have in your parents to do the right thing, or you think they're doing the right thing, but yeah. And the language to describe what you're going through doesn't exist in your life Mm -hmm. because cults don't want you to know that there is a language that comes with this to explain this abuse. Yeah. And so you're completely, you don't know what's going on at all. Right. I, I mean, I'm going to assume that there's a lot of excommunication of families and friends that don't support this because they're literally excommunicating you out of birthday parties in the classroom. So yeah. let's talk about that sort of stuff. Excommunication mm-hmm. of friends and family who either aren't a part of the church or don't support your decisions. Towards the, um, I would say the last year or two, maybe three, they really wanted us to limit any contact with people that were not in the church. I don't know if there was really a whole lot of people that left. I don't really recall people up and leaving the church. I know that there was a couple people that had their parents, their parents like kidnapped them from the church and deprogrammed them. Um, So there was that, but yeah, I mean, I don't really remember people voluntarily leaving and then just slowly we had to, like we didn't talk to my grandparents for a year or two because we weren't allowed to, yeah, have communications with any family. And just because they weren't members, they weren't Correct. like actively negative or or going after the church. They just weren't members. Correct. Yep. Just because they weren't part of the church. Wow. So were there moments in your parents' life where they were actively trying to like proselytize and recruit family members into the church just to maintain that relationship? Um, so my family is a little bit different because I see how I'm going to go off on a little tangent here, but I see how my parents got involved in the church because they both came from really dysfunctional backgrounds. My dad had already cut off before joining the church. He'd already cut off relationships with his family for other reasons. And then my mom was an only child. It was her parents that we were really close to that we cut off communication with. So it wasn't really necessarily family. And I don't really, really remember witnessing, quote unquote, to people. But we would do subtle things like go to the airport and sing songs while people got off the plane. (laughs) And subtle um, things like singing songs at the airport. (laughs) Yes. 
you know, that kind of thing. I don't recall ever like standing on, you know, a street corner with signs or anything like that. Um, there was no like door to door or anything. No, no, nope. very quiet. But if people yeah. approached you, then you would open the conversation about it. Yes. But we, I don't really recall us really actively trying to recruit. Again, it was a pretty small church. I would say 100 members or less. And so it was just kind of this own little, you know. Looking back, do you remember people like leaving and coming? Or was it usually that same sort of insular group of 100 people? No, it was usually the same group of people or somebody would come in, but rarely people leaving. Okay. What happened? What was the the fall from grace for the no-name fellowship that they were dubbed the no-name fellowship in the media? So... This is, this is the rough part, but basically what ended up happening is a boy named Aaron Norman, who was 10 at the time, he was really good friends with my younger brother, actually. And he, I remember we would go to, we went to church service on Wednesday and I don't recall if Aaron was there or if we just talked about him, but he was not feeling well. I remember we prayed for him. Then he just kind of got worse over the next couple of days. I believe it was a Friday night or Saturday night. I think it was Friday night. My dad sat all of my brothers and I down. I have three brothers. And we sat down and basically told us that if we had any sin in our lives, we needed to confess or otherwise we would be sick like Aaron. And he didn't want that for us. Whoa. Yeah. All the elders, my dad included, went to Aaron's house on Saturday and basically spent the whole day there. And they basically were confronting him and saying that he was sick because he was masturbating. Oh. And yeah. And I don't know what their proof was of that, whatever, but that was what they were saying is why he was so ill. And So they basically berated him for the whole day of Saturday. And he, the poor kid, he denied having, you know, like that's, he denied that that was going on. They spanked him repeatedly throughout the day on Sunday, Saturday. I know his mom got really concerned and wanted to take him into the hospital. (laughs) Doug Kleber basically said that they could, but, you know, it was basically looked down upon for them to do that. Yeah. One of the articles that you sent me, it said when church elders discussed the option the day before, uh, they said that Norman, his father said, my heart is in faith and I don't feel I want to do that at this point. Right. Yep. Wow. But his mom, Judy Norman, she got spanked that night as well for speaking out. I don't know if that's included in that, but yeah. Yeah. So she was, you know, punished for having concern. Basically he went to sleep Saturday night and died in his sleep Sunday morning. And he died from untreated juvenile diabetes. And one of the articles I read, which is really hard to read now as an adult um, and having a son near the same age, uh, 
is that he was so black and blue from the beatings yeah on Saturday. oh my god yeah um in this article it says the doctors also said a spanking given the boy the day before he died probably caused stress that worsened his condition it says that that bob norman his father and Doug Kleber, the founder, spanked the boy to try to make him confess to sins they believed were causing his illness. Mm-hmm. And it was undiagnosed, untreated juvenile diabetes. Yep. Heartbreaking. I, I just, oh my God. So Aaron Norman passes away in his sleep. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming this launches a massive investigation into the No Name Fellowship. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't really remember this, but yeah, we had um, CPS come and interview all of us kids. Of course, (laughs) with us being so fear-based, we didn't really say anything incriminating because we were so scared. You know, we just had a friend that died. And then also, I'm sure just fear of you know, being taken from our home, even unhealthy as it was. But yeah, they, it was a lot. It was in the news, in the media. My dad, he, it's fuzzy because I don't know if he, he doesn't like to talk about it. So either he turned himself in or he was arrested, one of the two, but he was, he had to meet with prosecutors and he didn't serve time because he prosecuted against Doug Kleber with the state against him. I'm just, I just, you hear these things, right? You hear about like Lisa McPherson and Scientology and and this, and you wonder like, is this what it takes? Is someone dying what it takes? For someone to say, wait a second, we might not be doing the right thing here. I mean, this is a 10-year-old boy. He died in 1988. 87, December of 87. 87. Okay, this article's from 1988. So he died in 1987. Mm -hmm. And he, oh my God. How was his death explained to the children who had been hearing like he's getting sick because of all of his sinning? How was that explained? It wasn't. It, it wasn't, we were, I think, honestly, I think that all the adults were in shock that it actually happened. And then us kids were just left to, I mean, maybe other kids in the, in the church, their parents talked to them. My parents did not talk to us about it at all. And wow. we were just left with the fallout from it. So your dad is arrested because he's connected to this. What came of that? So, I mean, his face was splashed all over the news, which was just really hard being in school. Nobody knew that we were, we had a common last name, Johnson. So it wasn't like it was really easy to pick us out, but it just was a topic of conversation in class. And it was but nobody knew I was a part of it, which was just crazy to me. But yeah, he he didn't serve time because he prosecuted. So he got off and then him and I think two other elders prosecuted against Doug Kleber and the other head guy, Jeff Siegel. And Doug and Jeff served three years, I think, in prison. And that was it. Oh, my gosh. 
One of the other articles that you sent me talked about like other ways that church members were abused by the clergy and the group. The measures included the spanking of adults with hands, belts, wooden paddles, or other objects, the drinking of salt water, having liquid soap squirted into a woman's mouth for inappropriately addressing her husband, and lying at someone's feet in order to apologize to them. Yep. I remember my mom, my my brother and I had said a bad word one day. <laughs> And we got a, a bar of soap stuck in our mouths that we had to sit there for, I don't remember how long. That was one of the things I, to, cl- to cleanse our um, speech. Oh my God. Like, oh, like I've heard that, right? I've seen a Christmas story. I know that that's a thing that people like, I, this was in the eighties that they're putting soap in your mouth mm-hmm. like 40 years ago. Yeah. This is not. Yeah. This is a barely a generation ago that soap in the mouth was considered like, oh, yeah, just put soap in the mouth. Also, hot sauce was another thing that parents mm. would do. I don't know mm-hmm. if that happened there. But again, no. very abusive. What is yeah. the point? Like, it is just disgusting that people are acting like this and then saying like, well, I'm just I'm so much better than you, though. But I'm better mm-hmm. than you. Wow. Yeah. I reconnected with somebody that was actually in the church. Uh, she's a couple years older than me, but she just, we'd been emailing this week and she, and I, I vaguely remember hearing about it, but she mentioned two deaths out in Illinois where Doug originated from that blows my mind. But basically Doug had told these two people not to wear glasses because God would heal them or they didn't eat them or whatever. And one person was crossing the street in a crosswalk and got hit by a car and died. What? Yeah. And then the other one was um, a kid was playing baseball and the ball hit him, I think, in the chest. And he also died. And I knew somebody else that knew that person as well. So, yeah, it's just oh my God. insane. I just, oh, my God. Like. It's heartbreak. I don't even know what to say. Like, I don't even know what to say other than I hope that people are listening to this and are either connecting or are realizing that maybe they've been a part of really bad systems and are able to start like unpacking some of these things. Like this should have never happened. Like none of this should have ever happened. These are children. Yeah. Children. (laughs) I just, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. at 12 years old when the church is exposed and disbanded and you guys leave you're 12 years Mm -hmm. old what happens next so there was a couple different things my parents went through I they were just inadequate of of helping us 
honestly, they were emotionally spent. We were basically left on our own for the next couple of years emotionally. And I would say even physically, because like I mentioned before, my mom had serious mental illness, like for a long time. And during the church, she could not take, she wasn't allowed to take prescriptions. Oh no. So that aggravated her illness. And then after all this fallout, she had a mental breakdown. She had one or two in the next couple, you know, a couple years after that. And so, yeah, we were just, you know, our community was all of a sudden gone. All of our friends, any adults that we knew that were part of the church, we had to break up immediately. And so we had just no contact with anybody. And we really floundered is what the best way I can describe it for the next couple of years. Just forced into society. Yep. Out of this yep. cult. Yep. Were you put into public school? So my, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> we homeschooled for the last year of the church and which was really challenging because my mom with her mental illness was not on top of it. That was a really tough year. And then, um, so Aaron died in December, that spring, the following spring of 88 was when everything, you know, in the newspaper trial, and then we were thrown back into public school that fall of 88. How long did it take for you to feel like you were integrated back into quote, normal society? Oh gosh, I would say like, a year well I would say two years probably because we were not like allowed to have a tv we couldn't listen to secular music it had to be all Christian and so I remember like sixth seventh and eighth kind of like gradually moving over to being allowed to listen to music and so yeah eat sugar eat sugar yeah candy in your room (laughs) exactly (laughs) What an interesting experience. I mean, have you, did you feel like as the older you got, like you needed to talk to somebody about these and have therapy and sort of like deconstruct everything that happened to you as a child? Yes. Yes. So I will say, you know, like I mentioned a couple years, it was just, we were on our own. And then starting in ninth grade, 10th grade, I kind of got involved in church, like a normal church. (laughs) (laughs) with friends like through school and so honestly because of all that I went through and then with my mom's mental illness it was just really hard being at home and so I was just with friends a lot doing that kind of stuff and I I always felt like granted my counselor is always like I don't know why you're still Christian but I am I'm still a Christian but I just have felt that God's hand has been on my life or has been with me but having to unlearn a lot of the stuff has been huge. And so I went to church, got involved in like a college group and stuff like that. I went through like a two year period of no church and I, you know, drank and smoke and, you know, did all that stuff, but then got involved in a a college group. And, and honestly, that was really life-changing for me. And it was a, a really good, healthy experience, but I never talked about, never talked about this with anybody I can imagine it'd be a dark mark, especially going to a different church. You probably were afraid to even share experiences and have people be like, that's weird. You're like, oh, sorry. I didn't know that wasn't okay. Right? Yes. I can imagine that. Yeah. So it it took a while to kind of like 
I would say I didn't even really start talking about it until I think I told my husband, like not till I was like 27, like we got married right around then. And I told him, and then, um, I moved away. I grew up in Spokane. I stayed there the whole time. And then I met my husband and then we moved away. I had had a miscarriage and I was like, okay, there's some stuff I need to deal with here. And that just kind of was the start of it. And so I did counseling for six months, but my counselor at that time was just like, okay, well you seem okay. That's, you know, like she was not a help at all. And I was like, all right. (laughs) I mean, I really truly believe even though most people I've met have either extensive knowledge of, or have been in cults themselves. It's wild that there isn't more cult recovery focus in mental health fields. Right. Yes. I'm like high demand. Someone needs to be focusing on high demand control. After that, I kind of went on for a couple more years and then had kids. And um, my son had some medical stuff that actually brought up a lot of the feelings because he had it from when he was 10 months old until seven-ish, feeding tube, whole bunch of stuff. And then now he's just on growth hormones. But that just all the health stuff that he went through and that we were advocates for him then realizing my my dad was not an advocate for Aaron right brought up a whole bunch of stuff and so I went into counseling after that and I still see her but yeah it's been about five years of solid counseling that's a really incredible connection there right that it triggered all of those memories from when you were a kid and seeing it happen and how nobody fought for Aaron and it was yep. his sins and he it was his fault what he he had brought this on himself yeah i think it really hit me as a parent it just brought like i, I remember the trauma of it as a child but then as a parent just being like how could you do that to your kid or not step in for another like I could, I, I, I just, I can't. It, it goes yeah. to show the coercive control because any mother in their right mind who's making mm-hmm. informed decisions that are not being controlled by someone else would have seen that. And his mother yeah. did see it, but it was too late. Yeah. And when mm-hmm. she reached out to the safe place in her life, her husband and said, I think there's a problem. I yeah. mean, she was punished for advocating for her child. Mm-hmm. And these are other things that like people don't realize, like when you say like, oh, childhood trauma, like oh, everybody's got childhood trauma, but it's like, this is a very specific kind of childhood trauma that like yeah. would have probably never come out had you not had a sick child yeah. and that that's the healing and the lesson in that. And to be able to, to pull that into your faith and your belief and your Christianity and, and to see the lesson in that I think is incredibly beautiful. And I absolutely respect Christianity and, and people who have other walks of faith and beliefs it's when it becomes very insular and culty and damaging is when there's a problem. Yeah. People can believe whatever they want and do whatever mm-hmm. they want. Mm-hmm. You know, we just don't want to do things that harm ourselves or others. As a mother myself, I'm just like, yes. Oh my God. It's really interesting with a little bit of hindsight and a little bit of awareness and stepping out and seeing something from the outside, looking in really how your perspective on a lot of things can just change with experience. Mm -hmm, For sure. Yep. And I I love that you have a healthy 
relationship with Jesus now and not a controlling one. Yes. And I will say there's, there are things that are residual from the church that I still have a hard time going to church. I mean, I, I go, but, um, you know, it, it's just a lot. There's just a lot. And it, it's hard to hear things in the Christian world, <laughs> you know, of there's just a lot that it's just hard to, it's a very hard thing to do. You, you have to be able yeah. to juggle your fact and your faith at the same time. If you want to, Correct. to live that way, you have to. Yeah. And, and that's hard in the Christian world because I think some Christians are so black and white on things that it's like, no, that that's, it's just a really hard place to be because I, I want to be involved with Christians, but I don't necessarily agree with everything. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's absolutely. (laughs) absolutely. I think everybody just laughed and went, yes, I get it. I understand. (laughs) Absolutely. It is really, it's hard to be like, well, I believe this and then I'll, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it's hard. And it is, it's yeah. a personal thing and it's a personal journey. And and I think that's why people need to be respectful of people's religions and personal journeys on this, because we don't know if you weren't in a really horrific childhood, culty, abusive yes. church first. And that's why you feel this way. I mean, everybody is, has their own story and their own journey like that. Mm-hmm. And, and everything that happens to you really shapes who you become. And then the way that you react to those things shapes how you are perceived and how you perceive the world as well. Yeah. So, exactly. you know, it's, it's a lot of work to do. It's not easy. It's no. worth it. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Yeah. Definitely worth it, but it's not yeah. easy for sure. I'm so proud of you. I'm so like, I'm so proud that you, you've, you've had so many breakthroughs just on your own, just by being like, wait a second, I'm going to ask a question in a, in a safe place where, you know, you're not going to be berated for asking a question. And those questions have led to you unraveling a lot of really problematic and traumatic things in your past. And you're able to, to live a healthy life because you've confronted those demons. I'm a strong advocate for counseling. (laughs) I know. I'm like, therapy is great. Yes. Therapy therapy. is so good. (laughs) So good. So when you find, I will say when you find the right counselor, that's a good fit for you because yeah, I don't think I would be where I'm at had I not found the one that I'm with now. I mean, she's amazing. So yeah. And even helpful. that's important, right? You really yeah. need to keep looking. It's same with mm-hmm. like a regular doctor. If you go to a regular doctor yeah. and they have horrible bedside manner, like don't go back, find another doctor. Yes. <laughs> same with a therapist. If they're like, mm, I don't really think you're like, nope, next. You need to be with somebody who understands what you're talking about. You know, when you're looking, if you're thinking about going, oh man, this is stirring up some stuff. I think maybe I should finally get some therapy. Start calling, call around, yeah. figure out who takes your insurance, figure out who has some high demand, cult, religious trauma background like that yeah. and go from there. Yeah. Hundred percent. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, wow. It just, <laughs> I'm just. This was so cool. Like, I mean, horrible, but at the same time, right. fascinating. And this is the first time I've ever like really talked about it. Like, really talked about it. Besides to my counselor. So, there you go. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for being so vulnerable and for talking to me about this. It just, I, I just. There are so many incredible stories that need to be told. I wish I had enough time to tell them all, (laughs) but this is wow. 
Do you have any experience in your life with M- any MLM? Yes. I I joined a couple and uh I did the last one I did was Crunchy. I don't know if you heard of that one. With an eye, crunchy with an eye. Yes, crunchy with an eye. That was my last one in 2018. I I love Reddit. Reddit is my <laughs> my little go-to. And I happened on the anti-MLM subreddit and just started reading and I was like, oh crap, am I in one again? Like another call. Oh no. <laughs> so um I went down that whole thing and I just I bailed on it and haven't looked back because uh you know then I've watched your documentary and then listened to podcasts and I never will again get sucked in but yes I I did a couple (laughs) I mean I I feel like most people especially people that have been in other culty situations (laughs) like like I did I did I joined several of them actually yeah (laughs) absolutely and I didn't I wasn't even like raised in like a culty churchy kind of thing and Mm -hmm. I still joined them Yep. Here's some friends. Here's the community. Yes. Who doesn't want friends and community? Exactly. Right. (laughs) I mean, me now, kind of. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'm good on friends and community. Yeah. (laughs) After all. Yeah. (laughs) Well, like, so let's do some rapid fire questions about MLM and culty stuff. Are you ready? Okay, sure. What is one word that encompasses how you feel about high demand control groups in general? Freaking nuts. No, um, <laughs> let me see. I mean, freaking nuts works. It's two words. I'll let it slide. <laughs> okay, sure. It's two words. Does that work? Yeah. Totally. Give me a warning to somebody who might already potentially be in some sort of high demand group like this. Give me a warning to them. Like, what's some red flags to look out for? If you don't have your voice, like if you don't have a voice, is I know that sounds simple, but and it's easier like hindsight, but if you are kind of told what to think or believe, red flag. What is the worst MLM in your opinion? Oh gosh. I'm going to go beach body. I'm going to do that one. That's a solid choice. Beach body is yeah. pretty gross. <laughs> I'm go with that one. What the is little the... containers and everything. Oh my God. I know. Isn't it the yeah. worst? Yeah. What is the hardest lesson that you learned being in this high demand group? Oh, the hardest lesson. Gosh. That's a good one. I don't know if I have an answer for that one. Hardest lesson. I know you were so young. So it's like hard to yeah. think back, but like thinking back as a kid, like maybe not even a lesson, but like one of the biggest red flags and like moments where you were just like, I can't believe that I allowed that to happen to me. Not that you had a choice because they were going to beat you if you said no. But Yeah, I didn't have a choice. So that's what's hard to think of what just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, my heart just goes out to kids. That's all. I just, I, I don't know what the hardest lesson would be from that, but it's. I mean, you don't have a lot of control when you're so young. Yeah. yeah to even you to even speak out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, man. But so let's flip the script. And what was a positive thing from your time in that? If there was one. Oh gosh. Is there a positive? Uh, <laughs> I think it has made me more aware in life of just don't just take people's word. You know what I mean? Like have self-awareness, listen to your gut on things. I mean, it's easier as an adult versus as a kid, but yeah, listen to your intuition. I think 
I mean, I think that's probably the best lesson anybody can learn coming out of an abusive situation is, yeah, I got to listen to my gut a little more, huh? Yeah. 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 It is a very tragic story and a very traumatic period of your life. And it Mm -hmm. happened before you were even a teenager, before you even went through puberty. Yeah. Like this was all the formidable years of your life. Five to 12. I mean, put yourself in that position being five years old. That's kindergarten to 12. That's the start of middle school, sixth, seventh grade, something like that. Yep. I mean, that's your childhood. Mm -hmm. That's your entire like pre puberty childhood. Yeah. When you should be climbing trees and scraping your knees and eating cold pizza crusts. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's heartbreaking when I look at my kids to know they're, ex- I mean, so happy for them that they're experiencing all the things I didn't, but it is sobering to look at I'm like, gosh, I missed out on so much, so much. I'm sure it's though fun being able to relive yes. that stuff with your children. Be yes, like, well, I never did is. this either. So let's go. Yep. yep it <sighs> is. I mean, we didn't do, you know, trick or treating. I think we did it like once when I was like four before we joined. So that was my one only experience as a kid doing it. And then we've taken my kids every year. You know, it's just, it's, they love it. It's And trick-or-treating is great as an adult. Mom trick-or-treating. If you guys haven't tried it, try it. And if you're the person at the door that goes, I don't give candy to mom, stop doing that. Let us have our fun. (laughs) Exactly. Maybe you're giving it to somebody who didn't get it as a kid. (laughs) Absolutely. You might be like fulfilling someone's childhood dream that didn't get to experience that. Stop gatekeeping Halloween and (laughs) trick-or-treating. Even though this is not even close to Halloween. Still, obviously I'm very bitter that someone told me no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. Well, thank you so much, Stacey. This was really fun, even though it was a tough subject and uh, I really enjoyed our chat. So thank you so much for being so candid and for sharing for the first time publicly your story with the No Name Fellowship. So creepy. Thank you for having me and allowing me to share. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast and my advocacy at The Real Roberta Blevins. You can find all of the links to the social accounts in our show notes. And if you just listened to that incredible story and you thought, oh my God, I have a story just like that that needs to be told, hit me up, therealrobertablevins at gmail.com. I would love to have you on the show to share your story and start your journey in life after MLM. See you next time, Hans.